0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your new favorite podcast take back our schools. My name is Bethany Mandel. Uh, in addition to being a homeschooling mom of five, I am the editor of a new children's book series called Heroes of Liberty. Uh, our first three books are about Thomas Sowell and Ronald Reagan and Amy Tony Barrett. And we have a new book coming out about John Wayne. If you want to subscribe and get them every month, you can do that. And then I would surely appreciate it. Uh, or you can just check our website out heroes of But you can use our our promo call, code. Uh, take I think it's do you know what, TBOS. That's our promo code TBOS. And I am joined by a fantabulous co-host Andrew Gutman. So
1: you, I, I'm curious about. Here was a little bit. You got they kicked you off of Facebook, right?
0: We they did. Yeah, I saw so, that a couple yeah. weeks ago.
1: How did, what happened there?
0: So we were uh, buying Facebook ads and they were like the most, you know, vanilla par of like for our our Jewish listeners, they were the most vanilla Facebook ads on the planet. They were just like buy books for your children of about Ronald Reagan and heroes of Liberty or not heroes of Liberty. I'm sorry. Facebook decided that we were disruptive content and they, they closed down our ad account and um, reduced our access or eliminated our access to our pages. And so we couldn't post for our followers and fans um so media attention from
1: that though right we, we got a lot
0: yeah. yeah it was a really busy that was why i didn't talk to you for like two weeks i was like i am sorry i like i think i did i think my count was like i did like 14 tv or radio hits in a 24-hour period or something i just like lost my mind for like yeah. the first week of the month so now i'm like finally coming off of that um but, but they I mean, restored it, you right they restored us and we sold okay. tons of books so thank you very much facebook Um, but it's, I mean, it's like, it's all sort of part of why we're fighting all of this nonsense, because what I think happened was Facebook, like some pencil pusher at Facebook got the report and they were like, Oh my God, they're selling books about a war criminal, Ronald Reagan being the war criminal. And they agreed with the people who were reporting our ads and Mm -hmm. they just closed down our account. And they didn't know that we had the The cell phone number of a Fox business reporter who would write a story about us because they do this to people like this isn't just us. And so they just sort of got unlucky in that we had the we had the cell phone number of a Fox News reporter right. and it was the first week of january so it's a slow news week and it just totally exploded and after that we had members of congress intervening on our behalf they were calling their sort of facebook lobbyists and really? saying like wow. so what's the deal yeah and they didn't ever tell us that they turned well they eventually told us um
1: they did you give you a reason when they told you
0: no they never no, they, okay. ne- they just said it was a mistake so okay. when they turned our account back on they didn't tell us initially they told the members of congress and their offices really? and then the members of congress told us and i was like well that's news to me because they didn't tell me and people and then they started telling um brit hume on facebook that they had turned our account back on and i dm'd brit Brit, and i was like that's news to me they never told us they know who we are they can contact us we pay them a lot of money they can contact us and tell that tell us themselves and so i had the thread up and i wouldn't update the thread until they actually told us directly because i was like I'm not going to like watch you tell Hume on Twitter and I'm not going to have like you telling like congressional offices without telling us like, that's not, that's not a thing I'm doing. Um, so, yeah. So it was an interesting, but I mean, honestly, like, Thanks for the free publicity, Facebook. A lot of people now know about our books that didn't before. Yeah. And it's, it's it, you know, it's part of this whole process. So like this pencil pusher got this report and it's because it's all like this institutional group think, because they all, they all think the same way and they all think the same things from top to bottom, from like the lowliest, you know, person who gets these reports to Mark Zuckerberg on high. Um, and this is the problem.
1: But the question is, do the top people really think this way or are they just cowering to the bottom people? And we see this in schools, we see this in corporate America, you see this all over.
0: So I don't think they're cowering um, as much as I think that they don't, they don't see their bias um, in this circumstance. I mean, I think that there's other ways. So like Spotify is one example with Joe Rogan. Right. Um, although I will say for Spotify, they didn't pull Joe Rogan and it's because they're actually listening to their bottom line. They're like, so we. Well, he's, a, that, he's
1: got the biggest podcast on right. one. Right. So right. that's a big financial hit. You yeah. And it's the same with Facebook. JK Rowling. Right.
0: Like, you, you can, you, you're not, they're not going to stop selling Harry Potter, <laughs> right. but the problem isn't for, um, isn't for like the JK Rowlings and the the Joe Rogans of the world. It's the people like us yeah. who just have no recourse whatsoever. And we got lucky. Like that's all it was. We had the cell phone number of the Fox business reporter who was interested in the story and it was the first week of January. So it was a very slow news, news week and we got lucky. And I've heard from so many people. Um, one of them, uh, Jason Greenblatt, he is a former Trump administration official. He was instrumental in the Abraham Accords. He has a podcast for Newsweek and they shut down his account in the same way and like if they can do that to like a top former i mean for god's sake they can do it to president trump
1: right twitter twitter kicked (laughs) trump off right
0: all of them did facebook did too so i mean none of us were all at their
1: whims i mean these are i mean the power of big tech is
0: yeah it's terrifying it's absolutely terrifying terrifying. yeah so um we have a fantastic guest who you brought onto my radar um we didn't really talk about sort of how how you came to know her? I guess you did a little bit because you went to the same conference together. We went to the same
1: conference, yeah, and she presented there on on social so, emotional learning.
0: What was the conference?
1: The conference was sponsored by a group called Parents Defending Education, which is really one of the leaders of this parent movement. CRT, mm-hmm. like CRT and that's made.
0: Erica Erica's group. Erica, Erica Sanzi, who
1: we had yeah. on, who we had on, she's uh, involved there. Asra Nomani, who's uh, very often in the media especially also in sort of this uh, Fairfax County, Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm. um, fight. So she see her a lot. She's involved with Parents Defending Ed. And so they hosted a two day conference for leader, parent leaders from across the country yes. in this movement. And uh, so I had the good fortune of being there and getting to, to hear folks like Jennifer McWilliams talk about scary things happening to our schools and meet a lot of the other parents in this, you know, broader movement. So that's where I met Jennifer.
0: I love it. And it was
1: frightening what, what she presented on the SEL piece. Cause you know, like we'll talk about, um, you know, I'm very familiar with the CRT part of this, but as I, I sort it. of gathered from this, you know, CRT is sort of the tip of the iceberg that you mm-hmm. see above the water. Yep. And SEL is what you don't see below the water. And it's mm-hmm. much, much bigger. That's a 90% of the iceberg yeah. because this is how it's really put into the kids' minds. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's terrifying how they use these, these concepts like mindfulness, to open their it Sounds good, right? We, it, yep. it sounds like a nice thing, but this is how they open their minds for indoctrination. Yep. And this needs to be exposed.
0: And and I try over and over and over to tell her like what can a parent do and the answer is like not
1: spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. It it's so, it's, it's we're yeah, behind the able here.
0: So, without further ado, here is our conversation with Jennifer. Um, and she will introduce herself and it's enlightening and wonderful and scary. Enjoy it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's actually really awful. Enjoy.
1: (laughs) Today, we've got a special guest. We've got Jennifer McWilliams. Jennifer, in 2019, was working as a reading intervention instructor when she became very concerned about the education transformation unfolding at her school and across the nation. She began to research what was causing the shift in focus from academics to ideology and learned that the driving force behind the change was something called social-emotional learning, or SEL, which is what we're going to talk a lot about today. And in September 2019, she started an organization to inform parents and citizens about these concerning changes in education. She began sounding the alarm on SEL in February 2020, Jennifer was fired for a social media post exposing the SEL program at her school. She now has a federal First Amendment case to defend her right to free speech. She spent the last two years educating Indiana parents on the dangers of SEL and how to stop it. And the organization that she built is now the largest parental rights education group in Indiana. So Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me on.
1: So you and I met uh, back in the fall of last year at a conference outside of Washington, D.C. for uh, sort of leaders of parent organizations in this broader fight, which we sort of call you know, the critical race theory fight, um, and something I'm very familiar with. And you gave a talk at that, at that event that I found both eye-opening and sort of terrifying about the dangers of social emotional learning or SEL. So I don't want to steal your thunder for why it is so eye-opening and terrifying, but why don't you start by taking us through, you know, what is SEL? What is social emotional learning?
2: Sure. So social emotional learning, it sounds very nice uh, and it has a lot of people um, confused because of the way that they word it, but it is really the Trojan horse uh, in our education system that people are need to be focusing on uh, you know, last year the critical race theory was all the rage. It was it was what everyone was talking about, and of course, it is um, it, it is vital that people understand what critical race theory is. But critical race theory is the ideology, and the social emotional learning is the delivery system of it into our K through twelve schools.
1: It's funny because I mean, people know my story. I wrote a letter about you know what we now call CRT that was happening in my daughter's school. And after I listened to your presentation on SEL, I remember, and, and some of the SEL sort of concepts that I want to talk about, I, I remember thinking, wait a minute, I, I've heard these terms, things like mindfulness and, and some of the other sort of SEL terms through the school, through my daughter's education for a number of years and, and started to realize, was this the mechanism for how they were indoctrinating these kids in sort of the CRT concept? So so what are some of those SEL you know, tenants of SEL, those SEL concepts, what, what is it really?
2: So the social emotional learning, uh, really, it was hijacked because before it came into our schools around 2015, 2016, um, you know, the schools would use social emotional learning uh, as a way to help students who had um, needed those interventions. So, you know, autistic children may need some of those social emotional learning uh, lessons. But in 2015, 2016, uh, the social emotional learning actually took over uh, that they sold it to everyone as it was going to help everyone's mental health. And okay. so that it was a it is a full school uh, transformation. And this is happening in every state in our country. Uh, in most school districts, I haven't found any that do not use some form of it. Uh, and what they say is that they need to use it to teach all children the life skills that they don't get in their homes. Uh, they say it will help them manage emotions, build relationships. and But the problem is, uh, what people don't understand is that it really is the way that they are bringing in all of the issues that are in education right now, the obscenity books, uh, the resources, the CRT ideology, the gender identity, sexual orientation, and uh, the, the social emotional learning is where it's at. There's there's five competencies that the social emotional learning now says that they will teach our children. And again, it's always a game of semantics, right? They always make everything sound very nice, so it's not very recognizable to people. Uh, those competencies or skills that they say they needed to teach children now are self-awareness, self-management, responsible decision-making, relationship skills, and social awareness. And what I like to tell people is, of course, everybody wants those, their children to learn those skills. Uh, you know, to be successful in life, to to grow and prosper as adults. But the problem with social emotional learning is that it uses a culturally responsive framework. And what that means is that everything, this whole full school transformation is through the viewpoint and through the lens of a critical race theorist. So when you talk about one of the competencies is responsible decision making, it is not responsible decision making like you and I would teach our children. It's responsible decision making in the way that a critical race theorist would want them to make decisions, which is, you know, you, you've covered critical race theory extensively, but of course, it is the belief that our system, our, our country is founded on racism and oppression, and that um, all of our systems um, operate in that way. And that we all, depending on our identities, fall on a hierarchy of oppressed and oppressors. So the responsible decision-making that they're influencing children with is to make responsible decisions based on what their, what their identities are and where they fall on that hierarchy that they believe is oppressive.
0: So what does this look like in a first grade classroom? Mm -hmm. How, how, what does this look like in practice?
2: So it, it, it is, it goes kindergarten through 12th grade, and it, it really builds, um, it is a 12 year indoctrination program. And when you are in the younger grades, uh, first grade, second grade, a lot of the social emotional learning uh, focus will be in the areas of self-awareness and self-management. And they do this by influencing children they will have lessons. Um, and a lot of the times the lessons are on basically compromise. The social emotional learning focuses on what children are taught at home, um, that their morals, values, beliefs, and worldview. And so they want these children to start understanding at a very young age that they have an identity, um, based on, you know, all of the different areas, uh, sex, race, education, all of those. And so in a a younger, in the younger grades, a lot of this will come through lessons and, uh, that are about compromise. So of course, if you have children in a young grade that are not sharing their Legos, right. You're the teacher's going to step in and say, Hey, this is a situation where we share, right. But you do, uh, you do lessons with them that get them to understand that in order to be successful, they need to compromise everything. They also will start influencing these young children's with the resources. So, um, books and start teaching them about pronoun, uh, pronouns. There's a book called, uh, something like she, he, her, him, um, easy as ABC, it's something like that. And so you would read that to them and maybe talk about, you know, the letters of the alphabet, but at the same time, you're just conditioning these children to believe that it's just normal to pick your pronoun. Uh, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a slow transformation through the, the kindergarten through 12th grade, but as they influence these children to understand what, what their identities are and where they fall in that hierarchy they will start to transition them th- to then the part where I was talking about the responsible decision-making and making decisions based on those identities, whether you're an oppressor or an oppressed as they get to the upper grades.
1: So if this is relatively new in schools, or at least the way this is being done, well, like where do the teachers get in this training? Is this something they're being trained in, to put in the classroom?
2: Yeah, they, they get some training, um, The the social emotional learning programs come from what's called CASEL, the Collaborative for Academic Social and Emotional Learning. And CASEL is the one that provides the framework for social emotional learning. And there are many different social emotional learning programs. Um, Some of the big ones here in Indiana and and across the country, but our uh, leader in me is one of them. That was the one that was at my school. Second step is another one that's, that's huge, but there are many of them. And I think a lot of people need to understand that these, all of those programs use different languages. So it's hard to identify um, from school to school, but they all operate on the CASEL framework. And that CASEL framework is what provides the the way that this all works. And that framework is a critical race theory framework to implement this into the schools. So who's paying
0: for this? Because you know that there's money involved in all of these kinds of things. So you know, everyone sort of talks about like the secret Coke money and the, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for my Coke money. I just like, want to make that announcement to the, you know, the, the world, um, they know my address cause they know all. So, but where is this money coming from? How, how, how does, how does castle get funding and what sort of strings are tied to it?
2: Mm-hmm. So castle, uh, their funders are, there's several, uh, Huge global organizations that fund CASEL, the, the two that everyone will know is the Gates Foundation and the Zuckerberg Initiative. Uh, so they are funding and controlling the framework and how that operates. The programs that then create or the, the organizations that then create the programs that operate on these frameworks for the schools to choose from, they uh they're they're funded by different one second step is connected with the uh the national equity association i believe um but but different ones but what happens in these schools is that they will so in 2015 2016 <clears throat> in our state and, and across the country our schools were offered massive grants and it was sold to the schools as a way to help of course those life skills and the the mental health of all the children And so when the schools took on these grants, part of what they had to do was implement one of these, what they call evidence-based programs, like Leader in Me or Second Step. Once they did that uh, and they they got it going, because it is a full school transformation, when the grant money runs out, then of course you are starting to see uh, uh, referendums for uh, more tax money.
1: Is Castle new, or is this is this like everything else in today's world something that's being you know co-opted in the last few years?
2: Castle's been around, I believe, since um, the late '90s, um, but really never gained the traction that they wanted until uh, around 2014-2015 when they started to uh, push these these programs.
1: So they always were pushing these kind of programs. It's just now that they've gotten the power to be in all these schools. Is that is that right?
2: Yes. And I think something that's really concerning about it is they defined social emotional learning, uh, one way. So it was just basically to manage their emotions for people to get along all of that. But a couple or actually in 2020. So in December, 2020, they decided because of their work that they had done for a couple of years to uh, change the definition. So our schools have brought in a program that now changes, uh, the goalposts as they want. And of course, when they changed the definition of social emotional learning, it was even more clear to people what they were doing because they're asking for more equity and social justice. Um, And since these programs, like Leader Me and Second Steps, those are the top tier programs from CASEL. So in order to continue their step of stamp of approval from CASEL, they had to also update their programs to these new um, guidelines, because if not, they would not remain as in the top tier. So really castle is the, the pinnacle of all of this. And they are pulling all of the strings.
0: So this is just sort of a general question. Do parents get like a schedule of like, this is what our kids are doing every day. And the reason I ask that is my second question. Can parents op- opt out of this? Like, do they know, first of all, is my first question. And second, is there like, cause I know when I was in school, you could opt out of health class. Um, Because there were some parents that didn't want their kids to learn sexual education from the
2: health teacher. Is that the same with this stuff? Uh, Many parents are not aware of what social emotional learning is because they will, again, use the semantics and and say, oh, it's just, you know, leader in me. We're teaching kids to be leaders and they don't understand what it is. Um, And so a lot of them don't understand it. The problem with social emotional learning is If you go to your school, which many people have over this last year, and said, you know, why are you teaching critical race theory to my children? They will deny it because it is not actually in the curriculum. It social emotional learning is a system that transforms the whole the whole school, and it is to be integrated into everything the child does. But there's so it has two areas. You have the curriculum with standards, and then you have social emotional learning with the competencies. And so when the schools want to Misdirect the parents, they point to the curriculum because you won't find it in the curriculum. But the social emotional. This is not
1: one class a week that they're taking.
2: No. So they, the the social emotional learning will have lessons, specific lessons that they do that will be an SEL lesson. And what we have found uh, is that some schools have allowed parents, uh, here in Indiana at least, to opt out of those lessons because they are not required by our state. But parents have to realize that it is extremely it's it's impossible to get your child completely out of SEL because SEL is a culture shift. So the kids are just bombarded with this ideology all day long. It is in the language that they use. It is in the resources that they use. It is in it is in everything. And it's and it's all about just influencing these children to believe this way. They're not teaching these children what critical race theory is. They're not going in and saying there's this theory, you know, and, and explaining it. They have transformed our entire education system around the theory so that the children just believe it to be normal
1: and true. So, so how could, so you were able to pick up on what was really going on in these schools. Most parents obviously aren't. How do we get parents to, to, to how do we educate parents on this? How do we get parents to push back on this? What do we do about this?
2: Yeah, education is key, and it is. I'm I've started just in the last couple months to start seeing the critical race theory conversations also include some of the so- social emotional learning. Uh, but because it's such a monster and it's it's very difficult for parents to see, um, that is why I spent the last year and a half of um, the year last year and a half traveling the state of Indiana to educate communities. Once you see it, you can't unsee it it's one of those things that then you see, see it in everything that they're doing because it is a a culture shift, but um, until you can understand it, then, you know, it's very difficult. So really right now education is key, but we have to get parents also to not just focus on the ideology uh, you know, I keep saying you can't just go to your school and ask them about critical race theory because they've all they all have the same talking points. They will tell you that they are not teaching it, and then it is impossible for you to, you know, show them documentation from them that actually says you know critical race theory. Of course, we can all pick up on it when it talks about equity and you know um, the social justice language. But what you need to do is ask your school if they are using culturally responsive teaching, because social emotional learning uses culturally responsive teaching. Culturally responsive teaching was coined by Gloria Ladson-Billings, who is a critical race theorist. Uh, She wrote a journal back in 94, 95, that was toward a critical race theory of education. She followed up with toward a uh, uh, culturally responsive pedagogy of education. Um, And so Really, the culturally responsive teaching is the answer for the critical race theorists to uh, indoctrinate an entire generation of children to believe like them. If you read the read through the castle website, just make sure you understand the critical race theory ideology and you will pick up on it everywhere. They talk constantly about um, having to shift the lens of our children. Of course, that they're talking about the way that these children view the world, and they talk about how they need to use social-emotional learning to dismantle inequitable systems. And when you understand that this is all coming through the critical race theory viewpoint, the scary thing is they believe all of our systems in America are inequitable. So we're literally going to produce a generation of children through social-emotional learning that will dismantle the the rights that they have sort of thinking as like
0: the average third grade parent in I don't know North Dakota um first of all are they using this curriculum in sort of red areas like I hear from people all the time gosh that's terrible what's happening in New York and California Mm -hmm. but I live in Idaho and that just doesn't happen here is that the case
2: So I am in Indiana, which is (laughs) supposed to be a very red state. Um, and just for a little context, the school that fired me is a extremely rural town. Uh, we don't even have a stoplight. Okay. So, um, this is in, you can fundraise for one. All (laughs) right. So that, but this is, this is Everywhere, and so when I am able to sit down with people and show them, they are floored. And you know, I get a lot of people saying, Well, okay, you can show me a lesson, I saw a lesson I didn't agree with, but I think most of social emotional learning is okay. Maybe there's some bad parts, and that is not true. The whole framework, the entire social emotional learning is extremely dangerous and it, it is all meant to work together. That is why you hear a lot about the uh, the mindfulness, Andrew, that you talked about in the beginning, because uh, they are integrating this culturally responsive teaching uh, with uh, practices of neuroscience. So you get the, the mindfulness and they have uh, videos that they have sent out Early on, when I was still involved with it, um, a lot of resources on the Indiana Department of Education and other state uh, education systems, but about changing the neuroplasticity of these children, it would, the neuroplasticity of their brains, rewiring their brains to believe this, um, this way that they're teaching. And of course, they tell parents, we're just teaching life skills, but they're doing it how the, through that equity lens, through a critical race theorist lens.
0: So mom of a third grader in North Dakota, how does she, what does she do? Does she, here, here's my hypothetical and tell me if this is crazy. She goes to her kid's teacher, their classroom teacher and says, I would like to see everything. Like, is that, is that a thing? Like there was like news this week that there was a resolution passed in like 13 states that parents should see, should be able to see the curriculum that their kids are being exposed to. Andrew, are you familiar with this? Yeah, those?
1: that's the new push this year. Okay. Last year it was sort of the ban CRT and now it's transparency. So parents okay. can see what the curriculum is in their classrooms.
0: Yeah. So will these, we, is
1: that your question? Will they show up?
0: So if, yeah. So yeah. So that's my question. If, if they can go to their kid's teacher and say, I would like to see what what sort of materials you're using for SEL. How, how does a parent know if this is being used in their
2: child's classroom? That's my question. Sure. And, and Indiana is one of those states that is trying to get that bill through. So oh, uh, great. Mazel tov. I, yeah, I am, I am. I am. I think it's great. It's exactly what we, we need. Complete transfer transparency uh, through the schools. I am concerned because it will uh, it should expose some of it. But of course, because it is the entire culture shift within the school, it will not Expose the resources that they are using and just the the constant uh, propaganda. So when my school w- uh, went under this transformation, uh, every every bulletin board, every all of our posters, everything we did had to have this language in it. I mean, it just it's an it's a complete takeover of the school. So transparency is important. Uh, but the other thing that people need to understand when they're fighting for this is that we have ran into this here. Um, if you go to your school uh, and, you know, you, you file a FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, and get uh, requests, um, the social emotional learning lessons from one of these programs, like Leader in Me and Second Steps, here in Indiana, and I know this is happening in many states, but you would have to check your laws, uh, our parents are being denied because it is third-party proprietary uh, uh, resources and information material. So our schools have adopted this system transformation and the materials, the parents are by law unable to see it, see. So just it's very important. We need transparency across the board. And that is a law that, that there has to be something done about that. They should not be allowed to bring in something, anything into the schools that the parents can't see all of it. But even if FOIA is it, it will get denied.
1: What, so I want to know about surveys. There, there seems to be you haven't touched on this yet. There, there's something about SEL relating to surveys that are uh, that that kids have to or are asked to fill out. Is that right? And could you sort of elaborate on the on how the surveys kind of fit into the SEL framework?
2: Yeah, yep, that is another area that parents need to understand and also opt their children out of immediately. Uh, the social emotional learning programs. Uh, come with, uh, they They are dependent on collecting massive mental health data on the children that are in these schools that use these programs. And um, recently in the news, of course, Panorama Education was exposed as one of the sources, the, the biggest source in our country. Uh, but I just want people to be clear that if your school doesn't use Panorama, there are other ones that they can use. So don't just think that it's not happening. But they use these surveys without parental consent it's kind of a gray area the questions that they ask so they get away with it
1: um what and, are some of those questions that yeah, they ask on them?
2: the 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 questions are uh if if sometimes if parents would read them a lot of them don't seem like a big deal but they've got to understand that what happens is these these students take the surveys the surveys go out to uh, Panorama Education, who then interprets the data and then sends the data back to the school for uh, data-driven uh, uh, progression of these these programs. The questions would be something like, you know, um, how often a week do you feel, or how often a week do you feel that you understand your math lesson? Okay, this is the one that would be, right? That, that's one that would not be- innocuous sounding, right? right? And so if the, the, I had a class and they answered their questions and the data went out and it came back and the, and the administrators came to me and said, Jennifer, uh, 25% of your kids don't feel like they understand your math lesson on a weekly basis. Uh, I would think immediately then, you know, that's something I need to address and something I need to change. Uh, the problem with these, the interpretation of the data is that they interpret the data through what they call an equity lens. So they do not, they, they're not going to interpret that data like I would, what they interpret that data to mean is that, well, 25% of her students don't understand because the system that she works in is oppressive. And so the data that they return is always about fixing some kind of um, what they would call racist or oppressive um, part of our system. And so the data uh, consistently it, it just continues to drive that, that critical risk theory ideology. It, the data goes out, they find uh, systemic oppression that's what they will call it in, in the data, and then they send it back for more changes in the school. So the, the data, and then the, it's also very concerning because this data follows these children. Uh, the surveys will be taken on uh, Chromebooks or whatever they use in the school. Uh, and which is uh, connected to their student IDs and people need to understand, which is also connected to their social security numbers. And so this data follows them from year to year. Here in our state, the the students, there are dashboards that our schools can pull up and it will give them kind of an overview of how the kids do. And it will have academics and, uh, you know, absences, but it will also include an SEL score for these kids on how they're doing socially and emotionally And again, the concern with that is, is that it is based on how well they're doing it through the critical race theory, social and emotional um, idea. So
1: let me let me let me see if I understand. So, So you get a score, you get an SEL score that that basically is how much of a social justice warrior you really are. Or how much, I mean, is that is? I mean, that seems to be the goal of these schools with both SEL being the delivery mechanism, CRT being, you know, the curriculum. Is that right? Is that what an SEL score really is?
2: Yes. That's you know, what how far li- down the
1: path you are to being a social justice warrior.
2: Yes. That's what I tell people that our schools have become social justice warrior uh, indoctrination camps. And since the whole program operates on that, that is what the school, that's what their score is telling people. So if they, sky, they, they score high, then it's telling them that they are falling in line with the ideology. And if they score low, it is telling them that they are not. And what uh, is, so
1: for kids that score low? Do we know what they do? I mean, do they send them to re-education camps? I mean, is that Mm -hmm. where we're headed? But I mean, what what do they do with those kids?
2: Mm -hmm. So we have, um, and we've always used this, but again, social-emotional learning kind of hijacked it and took it to a new level. So SEL is a trauma-informed practice. The the big idea behind that is because they believe America is uh, systemically oppressive. But uh, we use what's called a multi-tiered system of supports (MTSS), and so all children, because it is a trauma-informed practice, all children are in tier one intervention. Meaning,
1: trauma-informed practice. Meaning, all kids have some deep-rooted trauma, or just just the minority kids, just the BIPOC kids, as they're called, have this trauma. Does everybody have trauma?
2: they well this program believes that everyone including you and me and bethany we all are traumatized by the systemic uh systemically oppressive america that we have grown up on so even if you are a oppressor right if you if that's what they believe that you are on that hierarchy they still believe you have been Um, that you're a victim of the trauma of our country. So that's why the social emotional learning is not for just individual kids that actually need some interventions on on behavior. That is why they are now implementing this and providing this treatment to every child in the school. And so with the MTSS, you have all children in tier one. And then tier two is for small group interventions. Uh, That can be for academics. You will have reading groups and stuff like that, but people get confused because they also have small group um, interventions for social skills that would fl- fall right in line with this SEL. And then tier three of the MTSS is for individualized one-on-one interventions.
0: It's kind of funny to me that they talk about how we're all traumatized and yet it's these same folks that are <laughs> currently like, this is just a, you know, aside, of course, my dog starts barking the second I unmute myself. Um, you've got trauma. Yeah, obviously my dog has trauma, but oh. I just think it's funny that, you know, we talk a lot about trauma at the time when we're just traumatizing children left and right relentlessly. It's, and it's the same people, the same people who are relentlessly actually traumatizing our children are indoctrinating them about their so-called racial trauma. Like what if we just stopped traumatizing them? Yes.
2: Yes. That's exactly what that's exactly what they're doing. And the framework that I talked about from Castle. So it has rings on the outside of it. And uh, it works from the inside out. So it was it it went classrooms. So this was to take over the classrooms. And then schools took over the schools, uh, which we have fully saturated the education system at this point, the outer rings are family and then community. So uh, I, I continue my research constantly. And right now, the huge focus is on family and adult social emotional learning because now, and, and then of course they will start aligning with the communities. Social emotional learning is going to start transitioning to what they just call employability skills. And it will be employability skills for these children in order to, uh, you know, based on these, the, how well they do in these social justice warrior camps, basically. So this
1: framework is, is escaping or has escaped education.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, This
1: is not, this is society wide problem. Sounds yes. like you're saying.
2: it, it it's a, yeah, it's not only a full school transformation, it is a society, it is a full school, full societal transformation, uh, and they aren't going to stop unless we absolutely put our foot down. And it's really scary how far they have gotten, because they've gotten very far with this.
1: So, all right, last question for you. So what do we do? I mean, you, we talk about we need to educate parents. We need to ask for transparency in schools. How do, how do we put our foot down, really? I mean, how do we stop this? Can we stop this, do you think, in your opinion? And, and, you know, and what are you doing to help stop that? And how can maybe people, you know, engage with you or contact you to do that?
2: Sure. Um, I, I, you know, I, I believe in this country and we've, we've been down before, but we're definitely down with this. This is a new war uh, on our, our country and our children. Uh, they have to opt out, of, opt out of the surveys. They have to get to their school boards. And if they have school boards that aren't understanding, you've got to get them out and get new school board members in. You've got to get to your legislators. You've got to start educating people Um, and I know it's, you know, even if you're just starting and you're just starting to learn about it, every little bit counts. Um, and I am, since I stepped down from the, uh, the parental rights group that I was, uh, started here in Indiana, I did that because I see the absolute need for this across the country. Um, And for people to understand what's really going on, what the source of these problems are. And so I um, started my own business with Jennifer McWilliams You can check me out on there. And I am uh, traveling the nation now so I can come into these communities and educate them on how this is happening so they understand exactly what to go after.
1: Terrific. Well, thank you for joining us and for enlightening us on this very scary thing called SEL or social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. And good luck helping us save the world save the country, I guess.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: So as promised, that was a terrifying and wonderful and enlightening conversation. Um, we are done with today's episode. I have a couple requests for our listeners. Number one, Find us and rate us on whatever podcast app you use, Um, Spotify, whatever, whatever you use, Apple podcasts. Number two, leave us a five-star review. That's part of number one. It's like one B, leave us a five-star review. Talk about your favorite host by name, pick your favorite host, and then comment with your favorite host also. Um, It's Bethany.
1: Spoiler alert. Fine. Fine. You're supposed to fight with me, Andrew. Uh, you can have her. Okay. (laughs) It's Andrew. It's Andrew. There
0: you go. There you go. go. So you got to fight for yourself. Um, by heroes of Liberty, heroes, dot com. Um, T B O S is the, is the code. And, um, Send us messages on, I don't know, email, Twitter, whatever, about some guests that you want and topics that you want us to cover. Um, There's so many conversations out there happening about our schools. And we have a list of our, you know, a wish list of our favorite guests that we can't wait to get to. But if you have guests of your own, especially people uh, like Jennifer Reisman, who we interviewed, um, and we did not adequately promote her episode and i'm a terrible friend but she's just like a local mom who like really made waves in here in montgomery county i want to hear about those warriors where you live so until next week andrew i'll let you say goodbye but thank you guys so much for listening and tune in two weeks from now your two favorite new podcast hosts
1: yeah thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you soon cache Join the conversation